1: The next biggest story, without a shadow of a doubt, mate, was Dave Rennie's uh, unceremonious axing from um, Australian rugby and the Wallabies. Now, you kind of alluded to it. You went viral this week just with some what we thought was common sense sort of statements. Yes. Our Australian cousins at SCN have tried to ambush you.
0: (laughs) They have, successfully.
1: (laughs) And um, I think it's probably just worth noting that I don't think that as this ages anything you said or anything around our gut feeling on on what had happened here and this being about Eddie Jones is going to look anything worse. I think, if anything, and I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this, 0800-150-811. The the more time and distance we get away from the story, the more ludicrous it's going to actually be.
0: Yes. I I think absolutely. I mean, Super Rugby, apart from the Brumbies, you struggle to see how many of them are going to jump out of chair. Oh, yeah. I think the New Zealand teams have got a lot of depth for share and you've got hungry guys. There's, I reckon, there's probably maybe forty odd guys, maybe even more, with a legitimate chance to be an All Black this year and go to that World Cup. So that's going to make for some absolute hungry, desperate people come Super Rugby, Super Rugby time. So. <laughs> I think New Zealand teams are going to be well positioned this year in Super Rugby. And that probably means there's a flow-on effect to some of these other teams that are going to be in the same competition that come from
1: across the ditch. Now, I'm really glad you mentioned Super Rugby beef. And again, we want to hear from you on that Kenards High phone line. 0800 with the, uh, well, I guess the luxury of a bit more time on the story. And you've had all week to simmer on it and soak on it. Is it any more ludicrous to you than it is to us here at ECNZ? But I'm glad you mentioned Super Rugby, beef because I thought we could do a bit of a thought exercise, a bit of a project. Yes. And, you know, how many games of Super Rugby did you play? A hundred odd. A veteran of a hundred odd Super <laughs> Rugby games. You know, the, you know the standard. You know the quality. And you know how hard it is to then crack that next level, the international scene. And in the era that you played in, well, not even arguably, it was... There was more depth then than there is now. Let's put it that way. I'm going to throw a couple of names at you. And I'd like you to let us know here at SENZ whether they would be the sort of quality that would be starting for the Wallabies currently. Okay. So I'll just, ch- I'll lob a couple out and yep. we'll start with a couple of half volleys. Yes. And you might notice that these names I'm about to throw out are all. Have one thing in common, and and we'll work out, and we'll, we'll see where Australian rugby's at this way. We'll work it backwards. So, okay. if I said to you, Dalton Papali'i, Yes would he be starting for the Wallabies?
0: Yeah, I think he would. I mean, obviously, they got Hooper there, but I think Dalton, you'd find room to have Dalton, you lose fortune without a shadow of doubt.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. What
0: about a guy like Patrick Pilotu? Oh, without a He'd definitely be starting. In the engine room there? In the engine room there. I think it's been a – I mean, it's been for a good few years, I guess, an issue for the Wallabies. So a guy with that much experience, that much size, yeah, I think Big, Big Patty would uh, – if he was uh, born, born in Sydney, he would definitely be a
1: Wallaby. What about, and this will be a contentious one, and there's another loose forward, but someone like Peter Gus Soakula. It is a contentious one because
0: a a name that, obviously I made the big statement that three forward um, probably only make a a Wallaby team of the last 40 years will be in the conversation. A name that I, I did leave out, and who has to be said was very impressive is Big Rob Velatini. So, very similar style footballer to, to Peter Gus. So you would have to say Valentini would start ahead of him at the moment. I would have thought. So now Peter Gus would Peter Gus would pick up a bench spot. I think in the Wallaby Land at the moment. Brad Webber. Oh, Brad Webber starts for for most teams that I'm coaching. Uh so, yes, have you starting?
1: mm okay, all right uh, I'm just gonna continue moving down the country if you don't mind. I think this is a great thought experiment. I we can we can, <laughs> we can we can we can dissect what this all means in just a wee bit uh now <laughs> yeah this is this is where it gets a little bit sketchy um but not really <laughs> A guy like Ethan de is yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, so that's yep. a, that's a that's a layup. Yep. What about? And I can't keep I can't move away from loose forwards, but what about a guy like Billy Harmon?
0: Well, he'd be in straight competition with Hooper, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, it's it's too congested. You're right. Yep
0: they they do have they do have a, a relative depth in the loose forwards. I do believe. Probably still missing a, a an absolute number six lock in, like a like they've had in Easter year. But you know, with Hooper and Rob Vatini, they've got the new curse there.
1: So, Leicester an Anuku.
0: So, I am number one. I am paid up number one fan club member of Big Leicester. When you look at when you look at their backs, he would you would find a spot for him one hundred percent. And that you know, obviously, Karevi, Karevi at his best is the best probably the best centre in the world. So he wouldn't. you wouldn't bump him out of centre or out of the midfield. But Leicester, from what he does at Super Rugby, he, you'd have to have a starting spot for him.
1: Damien McKenzie?
0: Oh, yeah. They've, he would, well, to be fair, either
1: 10 or 15. So, Beav, those are fringe all blacks. Yeah. And uh, with about 90% success rate there, you don't have to think too hard about whether they're going to start for the Wallabies. Now, you try to then tell me that Dave Rennie was the one that could that wasn't making it work. Yeah,
0: and I think, and I think that's been a little bit lost in all of the, the hype, the hoopla, that, you know, we've obviously said, well, look, what's he working with? The, what, what we're saying is I can't imagine Dave Rennie and the echelon coach that he is, where he sits, that he's the reason. And what else, therefore, you take another step back, what have Australia done all this for? Because surely they don't believe, you know, Marinos and, is it, McClennan. surely they don't believe, oh, it's clearly the coaching. It's clearly the coaching. The boys haven't gone to him and said, hey, we need to get rid of this guy from across the ditch. He's a terrible coach. That hasn't, surely has not happened. It can't have happened. So therefore, what have they done this for? Obviously Eddie's Australian, he became on the market, sure, sign him up for after the next World Cup, but it's just the most bizarre thing unless you are literally just wanting your your game to be on the front page or back page of the of the Heralds in Sydney
1: on a Sun in January, which it now is. So we know what it's not about, and I completely agree. And I think your sentiment all week has been bang on, Beef. It's not about Dave Rennie. This isn't a a conversation about Dave Rennie. No. It never has been. Because that little thought experiment there shows you what they're working with. And by the way, the All Blacks didn't have a flash year last year. And they were fringe All Blacks players. So that, that tells you what you need to know there. But on the productivity side of it, when you watch the Wallabies and when you think about the Wallabies and the way they play their rugby, even with Dave Rennie and in yesteryear, well, recent yesteryear, what can they do to actually get better? I think, is it like I made the point talking to the Aussie guys yesterday?
0: Is a couple of years ago, what was the stat? They won two from 25, and then last, as far as against Kiwi super teams, and then maybe this year they won seven or eight, or you know, something like that. And it was a slight improvement. There's a massive, I think, there's a massive like belief issue to get over. Because when games go down to the last 10 minutes and five minutes, if you didn't go into this game genuinely thinking you believe or it hasn't washed over you in the previous 70 minutes, that, hang on, we will beat these guys today, then you can almost see it in their eyes that it's been a gallant sort of performance, but we're not just going to quite make it. And so I think there's, there's a whole generation of, of probably Aussie footballers that, and we're just talking about the All Blacks here, playing the All Blacks, that at times, to actually believe that they're going to get the job done. And, you know, that's something you've got to get over.
1: So can you – I mean, that that is that is less tangible, and that makes me wonder, can you coach a little bit of belief with a guy like Eddie Jones who is all bravado?
0: Well, I mean, he's, he, he's going to have the boys at times thinking they're 10 foot tall and that, but he's also a very hard taskmaster. And if these guys have got any sort of confidence issue, then it's going to be – it's going to be sort of tested with, with Eddie because he's he's going to talk to them different than Ren's talked to them. I mean, the boys the boys yesterday on the Aussie show said, oh, was was Dave Rennie just too nice? And I was <laughs> like, well, the Dave Rennie I know. And the Dave Rennie's reputation in New Zealand is certainly that not of uh, all marshmallows and, and fluffy box sort of thing. He is a very hard, demanding coach, but he just does it in a different way than I'd imagine Eddie's very confrontational um, aggressive nature would be he's
1: there's no soft aspect to Dave Rennie's coaching let me tell you that and to put a staple in this beef on the field away from the coach's box more than anything positionally what do the wallabies need if they want to succeed
0: well I mean up front I guess has been a bit of a it's been a bit of an issue the, the scrum is certainly seemed to turned around, well, being a lot more competitive when you, you see them how they handled their Northern Hemisphere tour at times, but they've also got to settle on a, what they're doing at 10. So Bernard Foley and Quade Cooper, I think between the two of them, will make up their World Cup 10 because literally what else are they going to go to? Young Lola see, he's he was the future, but has he been, has he been burnt too many times? in? Is he going to
1: survive under Eddie? Beve, it's like a young racehorse. You just don't want them being flogged. Like no. you, you can't have them hitting the line with horses, multiple horses running in front of them, and and you know it just breaks their soul. It breaks their spirit, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely does. So I think, yep, they're going to they're going to go with Bernard or, or Quaid, and they've been great players. And absolutely, you could do you could do a hell of a lot worse than those two. But the fact is. The only thing that would worry me about those two if you're Australian rugby is one of them's coming from Japanese second division in Quaid, and then one of them will be coming from Japanese top league. And that's all good and well, and, and I know we all say, oh, it's, it's an improving game out there, blah, blah, blah. You all say that when you're there. The reality is it is a long way off super rugby, and it's an even longer way off test match rugby. So that's not easy for those boys to slot straight back in from there into test match footy for the Wallabies and it's such a such a position, Louis.
1: I completely hear you. Here's one question for you. 0800 150 double eight double three. If you had a magic wand or the magic bullet that maybe uh, Hamish McLennan and Andy Marriott and us were looking for, and you could poach one all black to play in the Wallabies at this World Cup to make a significant difference, who would it be? Double eight, double three.